You are listening to the podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 164 for the week of January 25th, 2015. Welcome back listeners to yet another episode of the podcast of Ice and Fire. We are the longest running podcast dedicated solely to George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series. We are the Brotherhood Without Manners, Houseman Woody of Kingsgrave Dorn, and 2015 marks our seventh year podcasting together. Tonight, we are delving back into our Storm of Swords chapter reread, picking up where we left off at the end of last year. We're going to do chapters six and seven this time, which is the first Davos and Sansa chapters of that book, respectively. But we also have some guest hosts with us tonight. As for your regular hosts, as always, this is Mimi. And this is Amin. And our two guest hosts will uh, introduce themselves in alphabetical order. <laughs> we, have a, we have a whole process here, apparently. I think that's you first, Sergio. Okay. Hi, I'm Surya, or Mad Scientist 22 on the forums. Uh, and my name is Zach, and I go by Alias in the forums. I wasn't sure if we were going alphabetical by our uh, forum name or our uh, real name. Exactly. It was kind of the complete polar opposite <laughs> for me. So. Yep. I always try to trick them up whenever I do Bastards of Kingsbury's episodes. <laughs> Just to make them think, make sure yeah. they're paying attention. <laughs> Have you guys uh, been on the podcast before? It really shows how much I know about my own podcast <laughs> that I'm like, hey, have you guys uh, have you all been on this show? Not yet, no. First time for me. Yeah, same here. First time on the main podcast. Exciting. I'm a little nervous, too. Uh, <laughs> it's just weird to be at it from this angle, for sure, but it's exciting, too. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this one only has, like, three more listeners than Bastards of Kingsgrave, so... Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be too so. nervous. V- VOK, probably. VOK is pretty big. VOK is very still niche, unfortunately. VOK is, like, is like releasing one episode, like, every four hours or something, <laughs> right? Like, you guys are always pushing VOK episodes. Yes, indeed. Uh, but now they're actually joining an elite membership of the Triple Gold Club. It's for people who've been on all three podcasts before. Covered Shit, I'm not even in that. <laughs> but you need to do like a City Hunter episode with Michael. For Literally, your- nobody yeah. cares about City Hunter yeah. except for me and Michael. And uh, and we already basically did that podcast episode just talking in my right. living room for three hours. Uh, well, next time, I'll, yeah. record it next time and it'll just upload it and then you'll be part of the Triple Gold. <laughs> I don't think it actually matters because I think the people who care about City Hunter are Korean and I don't think they'd be listening to our podcast. So There might be some uh, audience there. It's possible. <laughs> plus, you know, I've moved on. I have uh, committed to several other K-dramas since City Hunter. <laughs> But I'm glad I was able to sucker one podcast listener into watching it. So, um, But I guess we are going back in our chapter rereads. We're going to take a break from the World of Ice and Fire stuff uh, that we started doing last year. Yeah. To mix it up, I guess. Get into our Storm of Swords reread before someone um, projects how long it will take us to finish this book. Uh, but I think you have some news items, I mean, that you wanted to get into first. I do, yeah. I have a few things to go through. The first thing is the 10th Annual Podcast Awards are coming up. And nominations are open now until January 30th. So with the release of this episode, there'll be a link up where you can nominate a podcast Vice and Fire if you wish. Uh, we suggest the entertainment category and the people's choice. And you can also nominate Vassals of Kingsgrave for general category and best produced. Yeah, totally nominate us. We promise to do more than one podcast <laughs> a month. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I think this is our year, you guys, our seventh yeah. year. That's really crazy to me. Yeah, that's like the one thing missing from our trophy mantle is just this this award. So let's let's get nominated. Yeah, but this, yeah. the podcast awards are big, right? Like Radio yeah. Lab and stuff. Like yeah, well, I think it's like Taylor American Swift Factor. or something. But I mean, like you're a rising star too, Mimi. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, just like Taylor Swift, I am a rising Almost star. Um, we lost last year to the Taylor Swift podcast, right? I think we did. Yeah, but they probably won't. Hopefully, they won't try to do it again. So we could. Well, how much more can you say about Taylor Swift in another in one year? Well, I don't know. Actually, Kyle's online. We could pull him online. Ask him. He's probably an expert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kyle. White people, weigh in, please. Oh yeah. Let's, let's pull him in here. So, Zach, you're pretty active on the forums, right? Uh, I guess so, since I'm number four on posts. I guess that's what that means. <laughs> it's just uh, Amin and uh, um, Thomas and uh, Lee that have me beat. Though I don't think I'll ever get past them. <laughs> Are you a VOK cur- curator? Or- uh, ostensibly, I am. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah, I do. I do get that Are title. Are we friends on Facebook? I don't think so. I don't really use Facebook too much. Gotcha. I just I remember Surya though from that. Well, he looks exactly like yeah. his icon. Just yeah, just oh, like yeah, that. I think <laughs> I think that it got my icon from Facebook probably because everything is just the same thing now. <laughs> but uh, it is uh, it is weird because I have all these people on my newsfeed who like I don't even know, but I just always assume they're podcast fans. Oh yeah, that's weird to get your updates for so long. Oh yeah, I am sorry about that, and I'm sorry that they're just ninety <laughs> percent about Wingstop. <laughs> And are we going to put yeah. Kyle in here? 
Yeah, he, yeah, I'm here. Oh, good. Kyle, <laughs> yeah, we, welcome just, to the podcast. We pulled I've just you in been as, eavesdropping yeah. on you all for a little while. We pulled you in as an expert on Taylor Swift. So yeah. Oh yeah, she's tall and lanky and scares <laughs> the living crap out of me. <laughs> Have you seen her out in LA? Yeah, she shut down the boulevard at uh, Jimmy Kimmel uh, a few weeks back. So yeah, I've oh. seen it. Well, this isn't really relevant to the podcast, except for we're trying to figure out if the Taylor Swift podcast is going to beat us again in uh, <laughs> the podcast. Did you guys They're watch still doing the... that in Vegas? <laughs> There's a lot to talk about when we talk about Taylor Swift. She's a very, very deep musical artist. Yeah, you know, just about as deep as the Song of Ice and Fire series, I would think. Um, Aren't all her songs like revenge songs? Are they? Well, they're breakup songs, so I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We assumed you were the expert here, Kyle, but I don't know what other podcasts would be nominated in, in the same category, but it was awesome that our listeners last year got us even just like listed as a nomination. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Got to see my podcast name like next to um, like actual productions. So that was a really cool feeling. Um, so, yeah, if you guys did want to nominate us, that'd be pretty sweet. Oh, you guys that? haven't even started talking about the books yet? Jeez. No, we got a couple of points we got to go over first. <laughs> yeah. Another one, um, we don't lo- go looking to do contests, but sometimes people contact us to do contests, and we're like, why not do one to get free stuff for our listeners? So uh, Celebrity VM, like so CelebrityVM.com, which actually what it does is it, you can go there and purchase video messages from celebrities, like Sir Barristan's actor from Game of Thrones and other actors from Breaking Bad. Star Trek, Star Wars, and such. Like, they offered to provide a free a video message from Sir Barristan's actor as a prize. So I thought we could just have a contest if you post a comment for this episode by February 15th, let's say, you'll be entered and somebody will win a free prize. Well, wait, is this exclusive to our podcast listeners or is this some contest? Yeah, just for our podcast listeners. Oh, so all they have to do is post a comment? Yeah, to be entered into it. And then we just point, po- we just mentioned them in exchange for that. So, like, we don't go looking to do these things, but people, if they offer to do a prize for listeners, why not, right? So. Pretty sweet. Nice. So the prize is he'll do, like, a video thing? Yeah, you can request a video message. He'll, like, send you a private video message. Does Mimi do those? No, it's, it's, it's Sir, Sir Barristan. Oh, well, Mimi, maybe you should sign up too. You get paid for it. So, if you join us. Yeah, nobody wants a video message of me <laughs> saying anything. Some people uh, might. But, dude, they have really cool ones. I want one from Mick Foley. Yeah. Are you a wrestling person? Uh, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> I do like Mick Foley, though. Nice. Um, but, yeah, they have so from Ian. Oh, I don't want to say his last name. I'll mess it up. Mick. Do it. No, you do it. What's his last name? McKellen. I'm not even looking at his last name. Mc- he probably have it right in front of you. <laughs> it's not McKellen. Oh, 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 oh the Barristan Ian McKellen guy. would be a great uh, Yeah, the Barristan video guy. Uh, Ian McKellen, I want to say. McKellen. Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't that hard. I don't know why I struggled with this. It sounded so exactly like Ian McKellen. <laughs> They're very similar. <laughs> um, But yeah, so they do have uh, some celebrities. If you're into them, I guess you could... Do they have Taylor a message Swift? From them. They apparently also just have like Instagram celebrities. Solid. Um... Right. Okay, and then anything else to me? Just one quick note. Uh, a Hymn for Spring, which is the successor to uh, A Flight of Sorrows, is finally being confirmed. It's coming out April 15th this year, and pre-orders are open March 15th. And I've written a few essays for it. So we'll talk about it more closer than it to then, but I just wanted to mention it. Solid. Yeah. Did you? Did Kyle write for this one? Did Kyle? I don't think he did for this one. No, oh. nobody wants me to write. <laughs> <laughs> we just put. You wrote his... the forward for the last one. Oh right? yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, we put his photo on the back of the book. Maybe we should do this. Yeah, I <laughs> did not get to contribute to a hymn for spring, but that should be an endorsement to buy it since uh, I wasn't involved. <laughs> um, great authors, as always, um, people who definitely know what they're talking about. So pre-orders start in March for that. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I think. Um, uh, the first one was A Flight of Sorrows was so well received by the fandom. I thought it was really awesome. So I'm really glad that they did a follow up to that. Oh, and the essays are really, I'm, I'm really happy with my own essay. I think it's better than the one I did before <laughs> and in general. Yeah, I think it's better than all the other essays. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're all good. They're all high. like, if you liked uh, uh, Flight of Sorrows, they're even better now. Like, I'm really impressed with the work so far, which so, I can send you guys like preview copy one. So what are some of the other names that are on that one, if you can say? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Stefan Sasse from uh, Boiled Leather and Nerdstream. Um, Alex from Tower of the Hand. And uh, some other names are are on there. It'll be out soon. I'll post them maybe with the episode. Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think she's, she's doing the for, forward maybe or the afterward. <laughs> so you guys, I was thinking this year, I was like, look, you guys, there's seventh year podcasting. Yeah. 
Seven Kingdoms, Seven Books. This is going to be the year. Uh, but the Martin's UK publisher, Jane Johnson, um, indicated that Winds of Winter was definitely not in their publishing lineup for the year. So we're looking at what, 2016? I think that's um, what I switched my prediction to. Or I, that was my outer range of my prediction. So. We devoutly hope. <laughs> no big deal. I've already forgotten what happened in dance, so I'll yeah. just go back and reread that. Um, but then we'd be, it'd be, what, a five-year wait? That's not that bad. 2016 is, I'd be happy if it actually was 2016. That's not too bad. Mm. It seems like it's been given enough time for, for Martin to really, you know, like a solid chunk of time so that you know that he's, you know, putting out something that's really, that's really well thought out. Um, because if he had, like, churned out wins a couple of years after dance, it would be a little, like... I don't know. I think we would worry that it was rushed, right? I would. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I guess we could all say that he could write faster, but like, I'm not. A, I never. I never expected one or two years. Like, there's authors out there that have like 40 and 50 books now. They've been pu- pumping them out every year, and they're, they're not good. Like, I'd rather have one that's like five year wait that's actually good. Yeah, I mean, if you can imagine, we had that agonizing wait for dance, and um, and that HBO shit wasn't even happening. Um, but then mm-hmm. when dance came out the same year that Game of Thrones aired, it was just like this understanding that not only would George have to juggle the books, but he'd have to juggle everything that came along with the TV show, mm-hmm. and how big that's become, and how like how many fran- like how much that has expanded the franchise. You know, so you could imagine that he's got a lot on his plate. I'm. I will always be behind George taking as long as he needs to to do the books. But I know yeah. a lot of people are pretty upset about it. Oh, I, I think what? somebody eating chips or something. Or I'm sorry if my McDonald's <laughs> is ruining. Ooh, <laughs> what'd you balance, get from McDonald's? Yeah. That's what I, I, I care about. I got a number about. two with no cheese. Oh, I get it's just two hamburgers and fries oh. and a drink and it's delicious. <laughs> I just came from a Smash Brothers tournament, oh, cool. so I needed some uh, quick. <laughs> Did you win? Podcast of Ice and Fire now brought to you by McDonald's <laughs> and Smash you know Brothers. And yeah, <laughs> Smash Brothers. Actually, the guy who was running the place was like, "Hey, you do that podcast, right?" Because uh, he somebody recognized me last week, and so he was asking me about it this week. And um, I was like, yeah. And he like brought it up on the main screen and people were like, what's that? And I was like, oh, God, there's my podcast up there. (laughs) Is that like like, a good feeling or does it give you anxiety? No, it was cool. But everybody was there to play video games. And he's like, let's check out this website. And there comes Mimi's face and Amin's face and Ashley's face. (laughs) I imagine there's a lot of crossover between uh, Smash Bros and Saga of Ice and Fire. I think that would make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like Mario, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we talk about video games enough on this podcast for it not yeah. to... Whenever I say, yeah, we're dedicated solely to George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series, and it's like, no, we're not. I talk about Pokemon nonstop. There are this. Pokemon in Smash, so... <laughs> Well, in a way, those did inspire Vassal Kings Raven way, podcasting on Vassal on various topics. Yeah, I guess you guys were just uh, sick of me derailing the podcast all the time. <laughs> just made an entire separate podcast for derailing, and I and yet I still do this. So, you know, maybe in our eighth year of podcasting, I'll get my shit together. Do you guys want to go ahead and get into our chapter reread? Yeah, let's do that. Do do either of you guys uh, have a prepared uh, chapter summary for Davos one? You could Kyle. call it that. Don't even look at me. I didn't think no, I was. Gonna no, no, I guess I meant. <laughs> I'm guess. pulling an Ashley today. Okay. <laughs> I do have one of a sort, which I can use. All right, can do that. So Davos one, uh, the first Davos chapter, obviously in the Storm of Swords, one of the early ones. Uh, this is the first. This is the first chapter where we learned that he survived the Battle of the Blackwater. I guess the only one where he would have. We would have learned that. Uh, it's a short one. He's out in a rock in the bay, losing his mind he has no food or water besides the crabs he can catch and rain when it comes and no means to start a fire uh he's debating whether it's even worth trying to survive at this point because most of his sons are probably dead and he lost his finger bones and i'm not sure which he's more upset about it was kind of hard to, to tell <laughs> based on the way he was talking about it uh the mother speaks to him or he's hallucinating uh he's probably hallucinating uh, but because of that encounter he climbs the rock and calls out to a passing ship they hear him and approach and ask which king he served in the battle uh, he says stannis which is the right answer because they're lysine so they take him board and that is that great damn everybody shows me up (laughs) (laughs) no none beat master cress and that one was uh all-time best i think yeah he gets mentioned in this (laughs) nice so he just sits on a rock in this chat right pretty much (laughs) yeah but it is um you know in the aftermath of the blackwater these first two chapters like with his and with Tyrion, is just finding out like basically a rundown of what even happened in the blackwater you know so it's nice to get these little different pieces of perspective did y'all think he died I did before I read this chapter, definitely. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'd go know. with it. It's hard to think back, like um, how I how what I was thinking at the time. But I guess yeah, it would make sense. He just really wasn't established as a character at that point, so I assumed he might be a one off. Though he, I guess George wasn't really doing that with POVs at that point. I don't know. I mean, he might not have, but at all, it seemed like Davos had served his purpose and his POV with Clash showing us what Stannis was up to on his side and true. introducing us to Melisandre from a different perspective. Um, but yeah, I did I did think that he probably would have died, and and it seems weird with the. Um, with the severity with which everyone died at and the Blackwater, um, that Davos made it out alive, you know, with his nubbins for fingers, just <laughs> it seems like he was already surprising that he made it out alive. Yeah, he's definitely shocked that he made it out alive, and he has so much survivor's guilt through the episode. Yeah, yeah, he just like he has like all this like dysentery or something, right? He says that uh, exposure and um, hunger and All thirst are his friends. <laughs> so he's a little nutty. Yeah, it's amazing that, um, and he does talk about, you know, just the, the possibility of dehydration too at the beginning, how he almost drank seawater. It's amazing that he didn't, um, given the circumstances. What do y'all think about him uh, hearing the mother speak to him? That's the big question, I think, because it obviously, as far as I know, it's the only instance of there being a potential kind of actual truth to the Faith of the Seven as some kind of entity that has a power to influence. And we've got that with some of the other ones, with the Old Gods and with the Red God, but not really so much for the Seven. And it, and it definitely smacks of being kind of manufactured. But uh, I guess you could take this as an instance of maybe it being um, some some truth to it. But uh, I, I do tend to think it was hallucinating, but I wouldn't put it past the, the possibility of something else. I mean... It's kind of weird because the mother blames him for everything. So I kind of feel like that's just him hallucinating and him feeling guilty about his actions. Right. Yeah. For some reason, I remembered it being a longer conversation than it actually is. It's like her like saying two things like, you burned us, and, and that's all that, that uh, really is. Yeah, I guess it doesn't... Um, not particularly compelling for uh, actual religious insight. Right. Probably he's just um, losing his goddamn mind. But I think the point here is that... Um, this is really something that moves him towards his plan to kill Melisandre, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. That seems to be the purpose that's driving him, the reason kind of why he decided to live and try to get out of there. His Which hatred kind of fucked makes up. him live. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of fucked up because I think the reason why everybody hates Melisandre so much, or at least certainly why I did at the beginning of this, is that like that religious fervor bullshit, like real boner killer, right? So <laughs> no one likes that she is just all about R'hllor all the time and like doing everything based on religious zeal. But when you think about it, Davos's revenge on her just came from a different type of religious zeal. The thing that bothers me about it is the fact that that's the thing that, that's motivating him and not his sons that he knows mm-hmm. are probably alive. Like, why is that not a motivational force to keep going and try to get out of there? When you know there's a ship, like, it seems like, I don't know. I guess, he, I mean, he probably was, like, not in his right mind. I think that's a thing to keep in mind there. Yeah. Uh, but it must be mentioned that, so, I mean, he, Davos technically fits... As one of the ca- candidates for Azor High, because it's kind of reborn oh, right. amidst salt and smoke <laughs> here. Course. Some people believe that. I mean, I don't think I, I don't believe it, but it's interesting. Do you th- I mean, the real question is: Is he reborn? Right? Like, well, he survived. Yeah, he was basically dying. He's reborn with his new faith. Basically dying. I don't know, but he's always <laughs> had the faith. Though. Maybe he's yeah. he actually died. And, oh, yeah, then, then, <laughs> and he went to the, the Merlin King's Hall because it's the Spears of the Merlin King. Uh, right? Oh, okay. So it could be Drown God things going on here, actually. Well, that's Honestly. what I was thinking when you said yeah. he actually died, but then he just like washed up. Oh, like, no, I was thinking we're going, like lost we're going to what is dead may never die, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. God, he's dealing with like every god all at once in this whole, this whole chapter. Yeah. I really hope that Martin finds a way to unify the religions into some like something that makes yeah. sense. I always thought the seven were just a joke, though. They're just like used used by the as a tool. Yeah, you know, it's like Christianity. Yep. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But I mean, it, I mean, it basically is for Westeros, right? Like they have like a pope character. That high is like a pope, basically. Mm. It has the most like sort of like organizational quality to it that's consistent with like the papacy and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a little easier to swallow than you know the drowned god. And, and what does the drowned god even do? He fights Drowns with people. Storm, no, he fights <laughs> with the, the storm god, I think, right? Like he's he's fighting with uh like if you view it that way, it's interesting. Like yeah, the, it's oppositional, like the yeah. uh, like the uh, Red God and, and uh, yeah. the Great Other. We were talking about this actually. We did a, a VOK on the Iron Islands, so it came up. Hmm. Uh, for the uh, the world of ice and fire. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the whole the the belief system behind the Drowned God is is just it's very um, self serving to. Yeah. The Ironborn. I mean, like, it doesn't seem like it has any relevance to any other aspect of life, right? 
Yeah. No, and it's definitely, it's like less so than the faith. It seems like it is very sort of exclusionary and, and who can be involved. They have to sort of be a part of that culture. And I guess no one else maybe is just interested in, in that because it's a very brutal kind of kind of lifestyle and religion to follow. But I don't know. I don't know if it's definitely one of the ones in terms of like having some sort of influence that I, I rate lower. But I think that there's some examples of it being more likely that something is going on with the drowned gun than the, the faith with like patch face and stuff. Right. Well, what do we think about the Merlin King reference? Uh... I don't know. There's, there's people have like come up with the craziest theories ever. Like that, some there's actually like Merlin, Merlin people out there. And, yeah, like berries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like berries. So the, so like, I guess I keep my eyes out for Merlin references, but I, I don't believe it. I mean, I, the question is, is George just jokingly putting references to Merlins in the books, or, or is that just part of like the background and history of the world? I don't know. I'm just curious. There's a theory that Varys is a Merlin now. Oh, that's been around forever. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, what? Yeah, I mean, if you look up Varys is a, the first thing is <laughs> exactly. uh, Then you get Targaryen and then oh, sure. a woman. <laughs> I've heard the other two, but... Uh, yeah, those are far more likely. So just briefly, I think the theory goes basically the two major points I've heard of is that he makes this, he makes mentions of water often, uh, like the whole keep on paddling line that he tells to Tyrion, and also uh, Littlefinger says he's got something up his sleeve about Varys and, and Littlefinger's ship is called the Merlin King, so that could be like the connection. Wait, they say Littlefinger is the Merlin King, right? Well, well he has the ship. Have, you know, it's odd to have a ship named that, though. The Merlin King and Merlins are generally negative. Like, yeah. You know, ship sailing boat. So it's kind of, I guess it's a Littlefinger. <laughs> like, Littlefinger doesn't care about like superstition and stuff. Crazy. Yeah, like one of the supporting points for the theory is uh, when the subject of eating people came up, Varys licked his lips. <laughs> uh, maybe he is just hungry, but like. Merlings eat people? I don't know. It seems pretty far-fetched, but... Yeah, far-fetched. It's probably the worst well-researched theory I've, I've heard. There's a lot of evidence for something so stupid. That's- yeah, it just really seems kind of predicated on the fact that Varys and Illyria are both just fat and nimble. <laughs> Aren't they supposed to have merman tails? What? Or am I... They got chopped well, they off. can transform. Oh, oh, of Well, I do want to ask you guys this: Where do you think Varys sleeps? In a bed. <laughs> no, he doesn't have a bed in his in his chamber, so he obviously doesn't sleep in the castle, right? In a bath. <laughs> in the bathtub, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, the Merlin would most likely sleep at sea, or like most fish, perhaps not at all. Well, he was also like temporarily one of those, like he would always dress up as one of guards and stuff. So maybe actually like the guards or whatever. Yeah. Or in the walls. <laughs> mm. Okay. So, um, <laughs> sidestepping Varys yeah. is in Berlin, which I feel like we talk about every time we do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else you guys picked up from the Davos chapter? Um, no, no, but Amber did sense something that she wanted to ask. So let me see. Mm-hmm. She said that, uh, Davos thanks the mother for sending the ship, and that's the reason why he's he's going after Melisandre. But what if Melisandre sent, used her ways to send the ship? That was her question. Uh, it's interesting because you have to wonder what caused it because it, they they yeah. established that no one goes here. It's like a very treacherous kind of water, and and yet they show up out of the blue. Like what what is there some kind of like thing there? Or is it just a coincidence? Yeah, but I, I just can't think of what how exactly Melisandre would do that, even if she wanted to do that, just to like use her ways to. Right. I mean, we don't doubt her clairvoyance or whatever, since we've seen it in action. But her rescuing Davos or she might have making... expected Davos right. to come back. That's different from rescuing. She could have seen him there and sent the ship. Uh, they never explain why they were there. I don't think in later chapters yeah. do they? I don't think so. I guess we'll get to it in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> how do you guys uh, feel about Davos? Um... You know, just being true to his man, being the real MVP, and uh, claiming Stannis as his king. Well, he knew the ship was Lysini, so it was kind of easy to make that call yeah. since they're on his side. Oh, he saw that before he said yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you think he would have done it if he didn't see that? I don't know. I actually don't know if he would have said yeah. Stannis. It's hard to say. I don't know. I, I feel like he probably still would have said Stannis. Yeah, I'm inclined to say that, too. It depends, like... I mean, if he's so into his goal of killing Melisandre, he might lie a little bit on the way to get mm. there. But uh, it worked out for him. It was the right chip. It seems like Davos always has that Ned-like tendency towards integrity. But um, I did I did see that, you know, he couldn't even read the name painted on her hull, which is one yeah. of the first times that I it really kind of hit home for me that I was like, oh, Davos is illiterate. <laughs> they probably touched on that before, but it wasn't until, you know, he was made hand of the king that he was, like, learning to read and struggling through it. But just realized, like, what a shitty situation that is, that, like, if he hadn't picked up on the striped hull, 
as being a Lysini ship that like he could see the name, but he couldn't understand it. And that would be the difference between life and death. Like what a shitty situation that would be. I just have to mention uh, the art chapter art by Jessica 309 for this uh, chapter is pretty good with the yeah. Wilson ball. Okay. I like the beard. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like there's an Autobot symbol on that ball. And you know, it's so weird because it, I think it's that. Well, I guess he did say that he was fighting for a king, right? Which is why they asked him which king. Yeah, Optimus, Optimus Stannis. So. <laughs> Damn, look at that colorful boat. <laughs> that's all. I think that's all I have for that chapter, though. Yeah. Let me read this damning evidence about Varys <laughs> being a Marine. <laughs> Varys and Ilario Mopatis, his co-conspirator, both emerge from a well when, they, when we first see them together. And both are noted to be extremely light on their feet, despite being a pair of undulating fat men, which could <laughs> indicate superhuman fish strength. <laughs> Boom! Drop the mic. <laughs> You guys, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna really follow up on this Varys as a woman theory. Oh man. I think there was a thread on that in the forums actually recently. So there was, yeah. There's been discussion. Vari's name even looks like it's derived from two aquatic words. Vari meaning stream and varish meaning to sleep on well, the sea. <laughs> <laughs> but is, is he a Merling Targaryen or is it just a... Why not? Fire and might also be as <laughs> when was he uh, salt and smoked though well, he no, could no. be easily in the water at a given time he's a merling and uh, there might be in the black water uh, during the battle <laughs> that's kind of an amazing theory <laughs> one of my favorites yeah. I just I just really like this uh, this thread title on reddit uh, just um, anatomical implications of Ari's baldness <laughs> couldn't be just that he is just shit out of luck hairline wise uh, doesn't that has to be so that's part of being a eunuch I think right huh? doesn't that disprove him being a woman that he's bald no well he could be shaving his head to well the idea is that he's shaving his head to hide the silver hair of the Targaryens yeah <laughs> like egg you know like egg hmm but the the Varys is a woman theory that has been brought up on Westeros. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And and not that he's a fish. <laughs> well, that that theory as well, but um, because <laughs> that's all I'm talking about here. <laughs> but it seems like the whole eunuch thing is really hard to buy for people. Because hmm. there are no other eunuchs in this story. That doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, there are plenty of eunuchs, but none of them are as colorful as Varys. But I could just be because. Uh, you know, those eunuchs are trained to do a particular thing, you know. Yeah, those the, are the only other ones we see are the Unsullied, right? There's a couple sh- other ones probably I'm, in there. but I was going to say, I'm willing to bet we've run across a few. Yeah. The, the idea of her being a woman is just starting with a point where, it, it, I mean, like sorry, you her. Yeah, her being a woman. <laughs> I mean, it, like, it, Varys could be a woman and, and, and just pose as a eunuch, but nobody would really check, right? So we're... Like that's just a starting point. The other thing, like, but why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I guess this people are just really extrapolating from George describing Varys as having like feminine, you know, feminine gestures and like giggling and stuff. But I think that was Martin just underscoring, like, yeah, dude has no balls, so these are these characteristics yeah. that you know. And he, but he's this. playing a role too because he can play yeah. like the tough, tough yeah, like right. guard guy if he wants to. He's yeah, he has yeah. done that. Yeah, he's playing it up. I think for sure that's kind of like what he gets at yeah. when he's first talking to Ned and Tyrion and stuff. That he's definitely putting on an act with his degree of, I don't know, fabulousness. Just Just being non-threatening. The Queen of Thorns is not a fan, though. She says the useful bits bits are cut off. Well, speaking of Queen of Thorns, um, next chapter, Sansa 1. The best chapter. (laughs) Yeah, and this was the one that was the the teaser chapter in Clash, right? At the end? I I think it was, because I think it was, it was like, it it was well known for throwing people off from what they thought would happen in the book, right? They thought Sansa was going to go to High Guard. Do you have a summary, Sarah? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I do have one. Okay. So at the start of the chapter, Sansa receives an invitation from Marjorie. She's finally become savvy enough to realize that there must be an ulterior motive, but her inexperience still shows and she can only think of like personal reasons, not any political ones. And then um, Loras comes to get her and she continues to crush super hard on him. I feel really? like Elena probably knew that and maybe manipulated Sansa <laughs> in that way. Um, and then, but Sansa continues to be oblivious and speaks of how Loras gave her a red rose after unseating Robar Royce at the hands tourney, which makes Loras unhappy because he remembers that he slew Robar in a blind rage after Renly's murder. Sansa then finally meets Elena, who is instantly awesome, calling Mace Lord <laughs> Puffish. And, 
and alleging that Garth Greenhead probably also had a green dick. Elena then finally reveals her twin purposes in inviting Sansa to first learn the truth about Joffrey, then ferret Sansa away to High Garden and marry her to one of Tyrells. Sansa fearfully divulges the former, then allegedly accepts the latter, believing Loras to be her intended. Then she's somewhat crestfallen when she learns that's actually going to be Villas, who was crippled as a result of a Tony accident. But basically, Elena just waves away her hesitance and just goes like, yeah, I'm going to bring you to High Garden. And that's how the chapter ends. Mm. Solid. This is a good chapter, and you made a very good point, too, that like this is an interesting chapter in the sense that you see Sansa is starting to become significantly less naive than she was in the first book. Um, her ability to pick up on subtleties and ulterior motives, um, but again, not as advanced as she is in the next book, right? Because she's lacking the understanding of political machinations. So it's, it's kind of an interesting perspective on her chapter and, and really one that I think sets the tone for her. I think her behaviors throughout the rest of the book, the way that she is towards Tyrion, the way she is trying to get out of King's Landing. It's made, yeah, think- it, this chapter definitely made her more likable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a that's a really good point though about it sort of being like setting the sort of theme for how she's going to function in Storm. She might not be too savvy in this chapter in particular, but it is definitely a thing that's on her mind is trying to keep all these different uh, motives in scope and trying to learn how to adjust them and and to deal with it. And it's kind of cool to see that progression through the whole book and see where where she ends up at the end. Yeah, it's definitely well. At, like she's definitely moved on further, for, like matured enough to know that King's Landing is not a safe place for her. Um, and, yeah. it, and it, I would have expected for her to possibly get lulled into the Tyrell, you know, mm-hmm. um, to just being comforted by them and and kind of latching onto this idea that she does have, you know, of like getting married and and being safe. But I think throughout the course of this book, she starts to realize that that is not at all what's going to happen for her. Yeah, and she mentions that this one thing—the one thing she learned in King's Landing—was mistrust. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she definitely has a lot more caution, even when she's talking to the Tyrells and they're asking about Joffrey. She's aware that there's going to be spiders in the flowers. Okay, uh, Kyle, are you still eating? Turn your mic, turn your mic on. <laughs> look at Harry. Yeah, look, Kyle, you look at that boy. Dude, I'm like, I'm like leaning across my room. You can hear that? I can hear it. Yeah. yeah. Right, Mike. Mike. We're gonna get lots of complaints here, otherwise. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, these fries are so good. Um, <laughs> all right, that was that was but, the last fry. That was the last. But fry. isn't Olena Tyrell just like fucking the Dowager Countess from Downton yeah. Abbey? Mm, soda. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So much. She kind of reminds me of Maggie Smith's character in Downton Abbey, um, kind of mixed with Lucille Bluth a little bit. Just, just so imperious. I love it. There's uh, one thing early in the chapter I want to mention is when Sansa remembers she took uh, Sandra's cloak and put it inside a cedar chest. Uh, I don't remember the exact meaning for this, but there is actually like a meaning to this thing to put something in a, a cedar chest. Is it I, like a hope chest or something? I think so. Yeah, and I think George has even written, written about it in his earlier works. That kind of idea. If you search this thing, it'll come up, but it's, it's something worth noting, like that she put Sander's cloak in that chest. Yeah, yeah she definitely misses Sander, or she wants him to be there and protect her in this chapter. I don't know if it goes that far. Maybe, maybe I guess that's on her mind, but I think mostly it's just like her un- very uncertain if she made the right choice to stay and to not go with him. I think that's definitely on her mind. Yeah. And so when, when she's interacting with Loris, uh, her gaydar isn't quite developed yet, though. <laughs> Not remotely. Yeah, and that's, that's the amazing thing that she can pick up on, on on these nuances now, but she's still like, what's up, Loris? Are you into it? <laughs> but does, do you think she even has a concept of it, really? She's probably so sheltered in Winterfell and stuff, she probably never even came up to her to have, even think of that. And she's infatuated by him, too, so she's not yeah. like fully in her right mind. Mm. Mm. It is kind of sad and ironic when she when she says like how Marjorie must be really sad at Renly's death, mm. not thinking about Loris. Yeah, he has his bitter like sounds bitter. He's like, oh yeah, it's from Mar- Marjorie. Yeah. yeah, I think Amber said in the, before. I think she wanted to mention that that she ships Sansa and Marjorie with Marjorie dressed up as Loris. So <laughs> <laughs> well, they do look the same. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was a plan for Renly. That's how it was going to work. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's also Garland here. You see him fighting three or four people as practice, and he's Loras admits he's the better sword. So Sir Garland is a, is yeah, a factor. He's legit. <laughs> yeah. Have we seen the Kettleblacks before? Or is this the first time? Mm, no, we've seen them before. We've talked about them. But they, yeah, they, they were they, in Clash a, a yeah. bit, I think, right? They do keep appearing all the time. They're always around. Yeah, yeah. But the, you know, Morris Morris Slint is there, right? Isn't he one of Janos's sons? I guess that was yeah, his yeah his heir, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Just frog-faced as hell, apparently. Getting his yeah. ass kicked by uh, Osney, I think. 
or yeah. it was Osfred actually. <laughs> How do you keep track mistakes. of those guys? It's For like, sure. Uh, if Cersei can't even keep track. <laughs> yeah, so Garland is an interesting character. Like, uh, hopefully, we'll see more. I think George has even said we'll see more of him in the future. Yeah, he seems very likable. Oh. This is the first time we see Lady Merryweather, right? Taina? Uh, that sounds right know. to me. Yeah, because she's not with Cersei yet. Mm-hmm. Mm, she's in this retinue, yeah. Sultry, black-eyed, mirish beauty. All right. <laughs> but um, I like how her first impression Lady Olena is like, there's nothing. The lips are thorny. <laughs> Five seconds later. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like the green apple Fossway mention. I always, always like seeing that from the Duncan Egg origin. <clears throat> yeah, just for Atlanta, like the reason I like this chapter so much isn't just her, even though she's awesome. She's like super witty and probably the funniest character. But just in general, I think this chapter is written like so snappy, so funny overall. It's probably the funniest chapter for me in the books uh, between like Olena talking and and the way that uh, that a butterrums cuts in with the song, the the bear and the yeah. bear. I think it's I don't know. Yeah. I love reading this chapter every time. I have to ask because I don't think I watched this episode, but do they keep this dialogue? Because the way that Olena has her little monologue, like. It it reads so well. I wonder if they kept that for the TV adaptation. Um, they kept some of it. They do it in the garden, um, not in this sort of dinner party scene. It's like one on one, or with Marjorie there too. But I don't remember how much they kept. But there's something of, of the sort. Yeah, I think it's cut a lot because I don't remember her going off in a monologue. Yeah, it you could never match the original. No, text. never. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I just really enjoyed how many times Sansa keeps opening and closing her mouth yeah. during the entire thing. <laughs> her lemon cake love is famous now. Everybody knows <laughs> that she likes lemon cakes. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, another point here, I mean, that people sometimes think that the Tyrells and the Martells are working closer together than expected. But unless she's like lying here, she seems to, to, to like dislike Oberyn. Now, this could be fake, could be made up, but she seems to blame Oberyn for her son's uh uh, her grandson's crippling. So what people think that like he conspired uh, to poison Joffrey? Oh, not 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 necessarily that, but just the the relations may be better than expected. Oh, okay, yeah. And and it, it may well be, but you would you would think that she'd be in on that if that was the case. But oh yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It seems like it'd be hard to get over like your heir being crippled by this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, and even blames his maester too, though. Like I mean, he, he, Willis himself doesn't seem to blame. Right. Him. Yeah, they reconciled. I think actually Willis yeah. and uh, O'Baron. So yeah. maybe I don't know. It could just be a cover. You never know, because she could just be saying that, but it's really just part of a seventh level game or something. Hmm. Uh, and then the song, the like the hair, the bear, and the maiden fair. Actually, I, I do talk about that and other songs in in the Hymn for Spring. So I, I, I have, I'm always looking at it, and it, it does tie into this very chapter because Sansa's thinking, "Oh, I'm going to be marrying Loras," and then, but no, it's actually a bear. It's Willis, like well, something unexpected that you're going to be paired with. Uh, but in the song itself, the maiden actually ends up liking the bear, and, and Sansa may have well ended up liking Willis. He seems like a decent character. Hmm. So, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and the song itself is also has lots of sexual references if you look at it, because he's like, yeah. uh, I love how it, as a mean has looked at it. <laughs> I've analyzed uh, it quite deeply. So, yeah. well, Sansa is no stranger to dancing with hairy bears in this. I mean, yeah. there's her and her unlikely um, protector Sandor, and then even more unlikely Sir Dantos, and then also her marriage to Tyrion. It seems like Sansa's lot in life is to just be paired up with questionable men. <laughs> Oh, sweet oh. Robin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the bear cub. The bear cub. <laughs> just incredibly unlikable men is her lot in life, just like mine. So <laughs> it seems like, like Sansa and I have a lot in but common. This song, then she sighed and squealed and kicked the air, right? By bear, she's... Oh, jeez. Yeah, I love how the chapter ends with Olena basically saying she hates that song. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it the the one thing that you focus on and the one thing that I think that I focused on when I read this chapter was like, oh, my God, please, 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 please tell them that Joffrey's an asshole. <laughs> like, or that's the only thing that mattered to me at that time. But there's yeah. a lot of subtext and a lot of nuances to this chapter that go well beyond just Sansa getting to admit the truth to somebody, which I think is the focus when you read it for the first time. But my question is, do you think that the Tyrells already knew this? I mean, do you think they really needed Sansa's confirmation? They've heard troubling tales, which is actually Littlefinger's doing. He was spreading those tales. This is the last bit of confirmation. 
Yeah, I think they were just making sure. I think they, they suspected it, which is why they bothered to do this at all. I guess partially the other thing is getting her possibly married off. Though that, that did strike me as kind of an afterthought. Uh, yeah, well, it just it seemed to me like they had more... Uh, there was... There was more to pulling in Sansa than just having her admit that Joffrey was an asshole. Like, I feel like that's something if they had steeled themselves for that they could have prepared for well in advance without her having to bring her in either. Yeah, I definitely feel like this, getting her to Highgarden was actually the main reason. Because, like, you can you see how much, like, the Lannister care about marrying Sansa off to one of the Lannisters yeah. when they find out about yeah, she's this. important for sure. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Good two for one. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she mentions earlier that she knew Lord Rickard uh, not that well, but knew him. That's interesting that he would—he probably traveled south a bit himself, or may have, may have been part of his Southron ambitions. Right. Yeah, that's what I, my thought yeah. was too. To like, you know, get to know the nobles down there because Ned never did that kind of stuff, and a lot of Starks probably didn't do that. Um, and then in relation to to Renly, she he talks about how very clean he was and how he had some very queer, <laughs> queer notions. He said it comes from the Targaryen blood. I think that was on Baratheon's on the whole, though, the, the queer yeah. notions part. So Yeah. Hmm. Now there's that. And uh, there, she also was almost married to a Targaryen, which I, which may have been one of Egg's children, or was it somebody else? I'm trying to... Oh, yeah. Uh, did we get something about that in the World of Ice and Fire? I, don't I think we did. Yeah, but she said she put an end to it, but I'm not sure if she did it or, or the other person did. Maybe she's twisting the story, or she would have put an end to it. Maybe she just like was acting like the Queen of Thorns to her. And then <laughs> it was like, it's like, I don't I'm want done. to marry her. <laughs> I can't deal with this. <laughs> pretty much it. I mean, summarizes pretty well what happened, Mace. Uh, danger going with the Lannisters, but they've got they've got mixed in there now, so they got to see it through to the end. I think she also gives uh, Sansa one of her first lessons about not looking for comely men. Hmm. It was worth nothing. Yep. Sansa doesn't really get past that, though, uh, yet. She's still <laughs> kind of against Tyrion for those reasons. So. But you can't expect it. No, yeah, I, I agree, for sure. Here's a big question, though. Did Butterbumps actually eat that bird? <laughs> oh. Gross. I'm not sure. I think he did, and he just had a, a, a second check, like decoy check, because like, the feathers come out of his nose. Maybe like, he's a merling. That's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a trick up his sleeve. Yeah. Um, did you guys have anything else for this chapter? No. I think I, I, I covered everything I want to. Everyone else? All good. Kyle, in your exhaustive research of the reread. Um, she just wants her damn cheese. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, here comes my cheese. Cheese is good. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's, like, something I want to mention in the after show for just, like, two minutes, that thing I mentioned earlier. And, that, and that's it. So we're, we're done with the episode. I'm going to wrap it up. <laughs> Okay. I know yes, we, sir. I, yes, I know, sir. I know the meme is like, meme's got to go anyways tonight, right? And we're pretty much, I think. She's got a hot date. Okay. Episode, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have a hot date with my dog. <laughs> Hell yeah. Does, doesn't Momo have like 10,000 followers or something? Or what's what's the number that she's at? Momo is deeply popular. Yeah, actually. She is, um, she is, uh, she's got 10,000 something followers on Tumblr. She is still the worst dog ever. We are uh, coming up on a one-year anniversary together, so Aww. yeah, can't believe podcast listeners have had to listen to stories about her for a year. <laughs> Has she had any like marriage proposals yet for her? Or? No, but she is much more popular than I am. <laughs> I think he just wants to meet my dog and not me necessarily, which what? is understandable. <laughs> she is a lot cuter than I am, so. Um, Jeez. But yeah, anyway, uh, go ahead, Amin. I know you wanted to get into... Well, I think we should put this in the after show just as a spoiler warning. So we could we can end the show, I guess. Yeah, show over. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, you wanna, Kyle, do you want to wrap up the show? Like, the- uh, Thank you all so much for listening to uh, everybody chat except for me today. Um, I haven't been introduced to our guests yet, but thank you guys so much for coming on today. And thanks for eating McDonald's nonstop yeah. throughout our episode. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was leaning away. <laughs> I uh, Marling Prince. He likes yeah. <laughs> we found out. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Fish. And as always, um, as as you guys obviously had heard at the beginning of this uh, podcast episode, feel free to leave a comment um, in response to the episode on our website to be entered into a contest to have Sir Barrison sell me. And that's uh, in the comment section, not on our forum, correct? Yeah. Not on the forums, right? And, and the comment section on our blog. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's only ever like three comments. So, <laughs> you know, good odds to get a personalized video yeah. from Sir Barristan. Unless Larry um, is on the episode, then, then there's like 300. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, um, as usual, you know, find us on Twitter, Facebook, and the forums. 
Um, you know, because if you've ever wanted to be on a podcast episode to tell us how wrong we are, apparently the way to do it is to join the forums, as these uh, fine gentlemen have done. Great. See you next and time. That's it. Oh, and also, if you live in Seattle or nearabouts, I'm coming to visit you Valentine's Day weekend. So come hang out with me. You have a hot date Valentine's Day up in Seattle. Well, it just it just happens to be on that weekend because uh, I've got nothing else going on in my life uh, for that weekend. <laughs> it just worked out. I hope um, you got restaurant yeah. reservations already. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was actually booking hotels and like um like like a month ago, and the W completely sold out. So. Um, but I'm staying in downtown Seattle and I'm going to meet up with um, Chris, as you may remember, the podcast host. So he and I are probably going to hang out. I'm probably going to call him a racist again and upset him. <laughs> and then I'm going to meet up with a couple of podcast listeners. Um, it's I think it's going to be fun. So if you're in there up in the Pacific Northwest, you want to hang out, grab some drinks, let us know. Just join the forums or find me on Facebook so we can coordinate. Nice. Cool. Nice. Speaking of podcast listeners, I bumped into one, like I said earlier, at a Smash tournament. I just wanted to give him a shout out. Alex, cool dude. Thanks for listening, man. Okay, so this is just two-minute thing I wanted to mention. This is a spoiler. Technically, you'll see as I describe it. The Dance of Dragons manuscript was reviewed by this person. Like they went to like where it was in the vault, and then she was just like posting pictures of it. Oh yeah. And then there was like one page where it was the editor was like, "Oh, is is um is Benjen cold hands?" Question mark. And then George gave an answer. So if you wanted to know if Benjamin is cold hands or not, there's an answer. But I think it's pretty obvious. We were, what is it? What is yeah. it? He <laughs> <laughs> said no. George said no with an exclamation mark, I think. Uh, he just wrote no. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, I think it was pretty obvious. It, when, it, well, everyone who read just read A Storm of Swords thought it was. It could be. But over the fifth book, like he doesn't rec- Brown doesn't recognize him at all. And he's referred to as the ancient. So like it was very unlikely that that was Benjamin. Yeah, and but yeah. and uh, I guess proof in favor of that though of, of that being a true confirmation is that after they learned that I guess they took the thing away for, from public viewing. Their people can't do that anymore. So yeah, there's okay. some issue with it. Though oh. I recommend people go check that out anyway, despite that because it's actually really cool to just get like the back and forth between uh, George and his editor. Uh, it's kind of a cool read if you want to find that thing. Yeah. Keep saying like you use the words the like words are wind over. Yeah. Yeah, and you should cut them, and he just keeps them in. <laughs> important. I think the person initially went to find, like, supposedly unreleased chapters that just sort of never came to fruition or whatnot, and uh, they yeah. weren't there. I guess they weren't uh, with the script. So, uh, But the only thing he found that, like, piqued people's interest was the cold hands thing, I guess. <laughs> or the theorists, anyway. Yeah. How did this person get their hands on it and not us? Like, it's a... Uh, they live where they could do no, but like, it. Is, it, is it the actual and I hope it's just a copy of it like they're not letting people like flip through the actual original manuscript I don't know I don't know how that works I didn't even know manuscripts go to some library in the sky I don't I don't know I don't know if they is. normally do I think George in particular keeps a lot of his stuff at that university uh, for yeah, I was archive. gonna say isn't it just on a flop like a old-school floppy disk right out of his <laughs> DOS computer <laughs> like one megabyte <laughs> That's his backup business on this, yeah. Hmm. Or star, like, 4.0 or something. <laughs> he yes. plays nibbles and uh, gorillas in between on QBasic. <laughs> yeah, didn't he have his house broken into one time and lost a bit of work? Yeah. No, because they didn't steal the computer. It was so shitty. They left- <laughs> <laughs> now, if he had a Mac, time he got that was running on a Mac laptop, it would have been stolen. Ooh, <laughs> stop hating on Macs all the time, Amin. Hey, i got to jump off this call. But, all right. but I, will, I will talk to you guys later. We'll probably right. do another podcast episode before before that, before that the meetup in Seattle, right? Oh, yeah. You want to get, get on a schedule, so let's, uh, let's do it. Yeah. yeah, Sunday nights are best for me, dude. Sunday nights are like worse for me, but uh, we'll oh. see. Oh, okay, cool. Everybody else have a life then. Uh, <laughs> ah, you're the one with a life. Well, I have a job. I assume the rest of you don't. No, just let me know. We'll just iron it out. I will put it on my calendar and actually make time for it instead of just uh, bailing all the time because I drank too much or whatever. So sure. let me know. All right.
it was great talking to you guys, Zach, Surya. Sorry, I'm the worst to podcast with. You guys are like, I'm never going to do a proper podcast of my star episode again. <laughs> going to stick to VOK, where I mean, Mimi doesn't talk Mimi, about my you, You've got to do VOK sometime to be in the Triple Gold Club. You can't not be. The queen cannot be in that club. Was I in BOK? Yeah, 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 the Firefly episode. So oh, I thought we were just talking about Firefly. Oh, that's released as an episode. So all you have to do is a VOK episode, and then, then you're in that club. So All right. Well, yeah. just let me know. Okay. I will talk to you guys later. Right, Bye, guys. Right, Zach, uh, send me a copy of the file. Sure. I, I might need it. And, uh, so, who have I been talking to? <laughs> Zach? Yeah, I'm the guy you beat in fantasy football. Uh, <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh. So I'm still salty about but, it. Was, was it Kyle uh, cheating with deflated balls or something in that thing? Like, uh, oh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, you know, that's been my week right this whole thing. You know, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I beat everybody this year. Yeah. You did, but you, I would have won if you had not. <laughs> so this is my guest appearance on podcast of Ice and Fire. So, awesome. <laughs> but but Zach could beat you in Hearthstone. Though. Oh, probably. I have no cards and haven't played. That <laughs> Pay to win. <laughs> I think I have one gold one. Or is that what they are? Gold legendary. Legendary uh, is just it doesn't have to yeah. be gold. I have yeah, I have one, and it kills like all of my creatures too. So oh, Baron uh, probably one. Yeah. Not very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst one to have. You know. And who else have I been chatting with? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm Matt Sinus22 on the forums. Oh, pleasure, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, we've Very actually cool. Where, where are you guys uh, from? We, I know we've already been over this, but uh, from where the are you guys? Same place. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, had a meetup, actually. they had a meetup with the two of them and Amber and some other people, I think. Oh, okay. Cool. I was actually in LA for quite a while, but I never got to meet you. Ah. You were just. That's where I did my undergrad. Yeah. Oh, nice. What school? USC. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. So where, where are you now? Where, I'm sorry, I didn't hear if you said. Oh, we're both in Colorado. Colorado. Denver. There you go. Very nice. Very nice. I hear it's beautiful up there. I'm jealous. <laughs> Get me out of LA. Get me out of here. Turn on the East Coast. It seems like they're going to have some bad stuff coming. Oof. Absolutely. They got some snow a few days ago. Bam. Very cool. Awesome. Well, nice chatting with you, gentlemen. Yeah, it was good. It's good to get that re- episode recorded so I can get it out this week. Yeah, we, we've been slacking lately. we got to get back yeah. on it. <laughs> gotta get back on it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, see you guys. Later. Well, if my track record with relationships <laughs> is indicative of anything, I will never get engaged. So. Be engaged long enough for us to win the podcast awards. and then you- Oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, because <laughs> my history includes a lot of dumping guys, too. So. No, but and and then Taylor Swift will write a story about it or a song about it. So. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a shout out from Ian McKellen. You use Ian McKellen to break up. You get him to send a message saying sorry. The queen, the queen is leaving. 